Here are details of some of this week's programmes on BBC One. At 9.25 on Tuesday, you'll be able to see a new programme entitled Ladies and Gentlemen, It Is My Pleasure with Malcolm Muggridge. <laughs> on Saturday night, the BBC Regret Hotline. Later that night, there'll be a direct broadcast by the new television satellite bringing you a person-to-person interview with Sonny Liston in New York. Yes, once again, early bird catches the worm. <laughs> Meanwhile, for those of you who are more easily pleased, here's 30 minutes of depressing and cheerless nonsense as we take you round the hall. The story so far. It had been a long winter in Stalag 15. Oberleutnant Kenneth von Williams, the camp commandant, he of the pure... <laughs> he of the pure Aryan stock... <laughs> to which he just added a beef cue. <laughs> Stood surveying the assembled prisoners. Who was behind the attempted escape? Was it beefy, ruddy-faced Wing Commander Betty Marsden? <laughs> he of the handlebar moustache and low-slung racing seat? <laughs> or was it bulldog-chin, dog-eared Captain Hugh Paddock? He levelled his loaded revolver, played by Bill Pertwee with a load on <laughs> Achtung, he barked, wagged his tail and scratched at the door to go walking. (laughs) They knew that this was it. And then, suddenly, in the sky, they heard the low, monotonous drone that they all knew so well. My name's Kenneth Hall. (laughs) That was Douglas Smith, well-known, unfrocked pig breeder. Of no fixed abode. Now, the answers to last week's questions. First, complete the titles of the following horror films. The first one was The Creature from the Black, and the answer was, of course, Lagoon, and not And White Minstrels. As a certain Mr. George Mitchell of London suggested. Part two of the horror movie question was The Cabinet Of. Well, of course, it was Dr. Caligari, and not, as one of you said, Harold Wilson. (laughs) But nice try just the same, Mr. (laughs) Mr. A.D. Hume of Kinross. (laughs) And finally, the film classic title was Gone With The Wind. And not the Christmas Club money, <laughs> Mr. Mister 2437 of Dartmoor. <laughs> or even Gone with a Lodger, as suggested by Eddie Braden. <laughs> Having a feeling there's some deep-seated personal grievance there. Well, now, it's time to meet the man who's set up his own kingdom in Hoxton, His Imperial Majesty, Grunt Futtock Rex. No, 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 not Rex. J.P.'s mould, Grunt Futtock, or as I title myself now... Fidel Gruntfuttock, <laughs> dictator of the Free People's Republic of Peasmoldia. Free peoples? Yes, yes, that's a free of us, you see. My, <laughs> me, my brother-in-law and our vice marshal Scarface Thrupp, and, and my good lady wife, who has condescended to grace us with her presence. Say hello to Comrade Horn, Comrade Buttercup. Hello, Comrade Cheeky Face. <laughs> She, Mr. Orne, is known as Colorado Beetle. (laughs) 
least. That's what I call it. Well, now, Mr. Fidel. Fidel Gruntfatter. Oh, give me my full title. Fidel L. Gruntfatter founder of the state, father of the republic, liberator of the oppressed, and breast prices given for second-hand gents' clothing. <laughs> now, then, I believe you are a benevolent despot. Yes, it is. It is. Shut, it is. shut up. Shut up. You counter... Counter-revolutionary old A-bag. I'll have you liquidated, you know. You have done, you have done. Many times. Many, many times. And in fact, revolution is in the air. We are, we are all rumbling with it. We are rumbling. Soon the free people of Peace Moldia will rise and cast off their shackles. We've nothing to lose by our chains. And so do you at home, I say. I say, bestir yourselves, and like a lion roused me slumbers, gird up your loins. Not now, Buttercup. <laughs> Hello, citizens. We march upon the town hall tomorrow. There'll be revolution in the streets. Uh, or if wet in the scouts hut. <laughs> oh dear, arise! There they go, the revolting Gruntfarrocks. <laughs> now something even more revolting, Douglas Smith. Stop flaunting your calves at Betty Marsden in that provocative way and make the announcement. Yes, sir. And now, more savagely revealing than compact. More breathtaking in its grandeur than White Heather Club. More naked in its unashamed violence than Muriel Young talking to Pussycat Willem. We bring you Kenneth Horne's special agent. a few drinks at my club. That's the Junior Army and Navy Reform and Stripperama. <laughs> and I'd just done my eighth pint when I got a call to go to the yard. Yeah, want it on the phone. Want it on the phone, Mr. Horne, sir. Oh, thank you, Trustpot. Is that all I get to say? <laughs> That's not much of a pie, is it? I mean, you want it on the phone, Mr. Horne. I'm not going to build a career on that, am I? <laughs> Especially when I ask people to listen. I mean, the shame when I go home, my mum says, you haven't got much to do this week, son. <laughs> Look, I'm very sorry, I didn't write the script. She says, you're keeping me back. No. You're keeping me back. You're not letting me flower. <laughs> I should be flowering. I could have been a star today. I could have been another Sir John Gingold. <laughs> Where's my early promise? Where are the snows of yesteryear? I've had medals for acting. I've had medals. And a certificate for tap dancing. <laughs> please, please. This is uh, very embarrassing. What do you mean? I'll tell you. What? It's very embarrassing in public. There's people listening. They've a right to know. Right. It's not fair the way they treat me on this show when they go off on outings. They won't let me sit with the driver. <laughs> no. Where am I? I have to sit in the back with Edwin Braden. <laughs> Great airy fool. <laughs> I've been held back. I have. I could have been a star. I could have been a star. What could have been somebody? I could have been somebody that could have come up to my house. They would have coming up to my house and knocking on my door and making me a very nice proposition. 
there. It's out. It's out. And I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Now, are, are you feeling better? <laughs> Can we go on now? Yeah, it's all right. Uh, what about the phone, Mr. Horn? <laughs> I hurried to the phone booth immediately. Hello, Marianne Faithful speaking. All right, Horn, you can drop the disguise. This is Brian Horrocks. I want you to get over here as quickly as you can. I shall be waiting for you at the bottom of the next page, disguised as a footnote. Brian Horrocks was rattled. I could hear it. I don't think I could hear it, actually. It took a great deal to rattle Brown Horrocks. There was no time to waste. I leapt into my 2.4 drophead Douglas Smith and roared off. (laughs) 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 What's the the matter, Smith? You got a tiger in your tank? I think it's a pussy in the boot, No one likes a clever Dick Smith. Horn. Ah, Brown Horrocks, what's afoot? I shall treat that feed line with the contempt it deserves, Horn. Now, Horn, listen carefully. Here comes the plot. True N. Ginsberg, Japanese mastermind and underwater haberdasher, has struck again. He set up a pirate radio station and is jamming BBC news broadcasts. Now, listen to this. This is the nine o'clock... And this is uh, reading it. Today in Parliament, members met in the lobby to... Uh, when the House reassembled, uh, George Bryan rose to his feet and delivered a strong, which was greeted with cries, of resign from all sides. In the following, uh, the uh, four asked if there was any truth in the rumours that was being used to uh, Barbara Castle. <laughs> Mr. Harold Wilson replied that he wasn't aware of any, but that he would be delighted to. (laughs) Sir Eric Douglas Hume in a public on television. Good heavens, how awful. Yes, and got a few cheap laughs, though, didn't it? (laughs) Now then, this pirate radio station, we have one slight clue that might give us a lead to its whereabouts. There is a Chinese junk moored on the serpentine. It's called the SS Ginsburg. It's just a hunch, mind you, but there might be something in it. Get out there and stop him immediately. Yes, sir. And with that, the interview was over. He glanced at me quizzically. I glanced at his quizzically. (laughs) He squared his jaw. (laughs) He squared his jaw, cubed his ears, divided his nose, and took away the number he first thought of. Some hours later, found me on the banks of the dangerous, garbage-infested waters of the Serpentine and putting on my goggles, buckling on my snorkel and dancing in my tails. (laughs) Soon I was clambering aboard the junk, a knife clenched between my teeth and my teeth safely hidden in a secret compartment in my mouth. They'd never think of looking there. I crawled along the deck when suddenly a figure loomed above me. I looked up and there stood a beautiful girl wearing more leather than an Aberdeen Angus. She spoke. 
I am Grotty Sandergast, Chewing Ginsberg's personal bodyguard. I guard his personal body, you know. Don't try anything, Mr. Horn. I'm a black belt sixth dan, a master of karate, an expert in jiu-jitsu. If you make one false move, I shall hit you with me handbag. My cool grey eyes surveyed her. She was my kind of woman. She gave me a look which made my hair stand up on end. Not many women who can do that. <laughs> I took her in my arms and held her tenderly in my double entente. Eh? <laughs> oh, sorry, that's the producer's note on my script. And then, putting emphasis on certain words, she said, Keep it clean and bright and don't overrun. Eh? <laughs> oh, it's another note from the producer. <laughs> we clung together in a tempestuous embrace, and then, and then, uh, Smith. Oh, well, they say the onlooker sees best of the game. Smith, don't be ribald. Oh, sorry, sir. <clears throat> Three seconds later. Three seconds? Well, don't blame me, sir. I've had a producer's note, too. You know. <laughs> Three seconds later, Special Agent Horn capered reluctantly up the companionway to the stateroom of the fiendish Chuen Ginsberg. Come in. Ah, Horn. Well? <laughs> well what? Well, aren't you going to say, ah, Chew, and then I can say, bless you, like I did last time? <laughs> Remember? Oh, go on. My visible. Go oh, on. very well. Archie. Well? Oh, what? Aren't you going to say bless you? No, I've gone off the idea. <laughs> sir, sir, Mr. Hahn, you have tracked me down. Yes, and I'm going to put a stop to your evil plan to undermine the BBCs, etc., 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 as established earlier on. Yes, but first, let us have some entertainment. I will summon Lotus Blossom, most faithful of all my concubines. <laughs> Lotus Blossom, my little bamboo shoot, my little lychee nut. Yes, ah. oh mighty warlord. <laughs> oh celestial radiance, your slightest whim is my command, mate. Between ourselves, Mr. Hon, Lotus Blossom, not all she cracked up to be. <laughs> but sing, my precious flower, sing song of lonely warrior who dreams of a return to homeland far away and sings plaintive traditional song of yearning for place of birth, song entitled Hey Salon Ahiatua Piahari, after me, a one, a two. Hey Salon, how are you? It is Bahiari. Hey Salon, to go. Hey Salon, Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'll let you know, yes. Now, Mr. Horn, eyes down for a big oriental flash finish. Yes, I am trying to undermine BBC news broadcast. But why? Because they would not let me be news leader on radio for British broadcasting compilation. Would not even let me lead lacing results. They say I too tall. Well, I'll have a word with the loyal itch, if you like. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. Too late now. Resentment and frustration have turned my reason. Revenge shall be mine. I shall destroy BBC, and you cannot stop me. Oh, can't I, Ginsburg? This Douglas Smith I'm holding in my hand is time to go off in ten seconds. Smith. Oh, Lord. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> well, Dr. Chuen Ginsburg. Not that! Not that! Don't let him off! Don't let him off! No! Don't let him off! All right, I surrender. And with that, he ran round in ever-decreasing circles... And with a despairing cry, disappeared through one of his own portholes. <laughs> and 
it's a good trick if you can do it, too. But although I followed him that time, we in MI5 feel that we haven't heard the last of... Dr. Chu N. Ginsburg, MA, failed. Goodbye! And what of the strange junk? Well, here are the Fraser Hayes Four to sing some. As they give you a track from their new LP, Pinky and Perky sing the Quentin Hogg songbook. Ladies and gentlemen, the Fraser Hayes Four. We've got something to tell you, so please don't give it a miss. We're gonna tell you what's on our mind. What we really wanna say is this. It's a lovely day today. So whatever you've got to do, you got a lovely day to do it in. That's true. And I hope whatever you've got to do is something that can be done by two. For I'd really like to stay. It's a lovely day today. So whatever you've got to do, I'd be so happy to be doing it with you. But if you've got something that must be done, and it can only be done by one, there is nothing more to say, except it's a lovely day for saying, it's a lovely day. It's a lovely day, so whatever you've got to do, it's a lovely day, and you got to stop feeling blue. people who are switched on as opposed to people like me who've been cut off at the mains. Now, first, the cinema. Here is trendy film columnist Pete Frontkettle with news from the studios. A well-known film producer, Lippy Angst, is planning something really exciting when he goes on the floor at Shepparton with Esther Waters. <laughs> Playing the title role is Pandora Lust, and she's with me here now. Uh, Pandora, that's a very unusual name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not my own, you know. Oh. But I felt with the name I had, you see, I, I just, I just wasn't getting anywhere. Oh. Well, what was your real name? Rock Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, on release, there's a revival of that great British film classic of the thirties, The Legend of the Glass Intermezzo, starring Celia Molestrangler and Binky Huckerback. Now, here's an excerpt.
You startled me coming in like that through the French windows. Oh, darling Fiona, I had to see you. I felt you would. I felt you felt I would. I felt you felt I felt you would. I felt that too. And yet I was uncertain. Breath haltingly, teeth chatteringly, nerve twitchingly, lip bitingly uncertain. And yet somehow sure. And you, darling? Darling Fiona. I was sure too, darling, darling, darling Charles. And yet somehow uncertain. Sure, sure that I was uncertain, but certainly unsure, and yet surely, certainly unsure. With that sure certainty that comes from knowing. Yes, I know. I know you know. I know you know, I know. Yes, I know. And yet now, I no longer care. Oh, Fiona. To know, to care, or uncaring, no, and knowing, care or not, still unknowing and caring, and knowing, care not, or no. (laughs) Shall we ever know? Or knowing, care. Or caring, No. Oh, Fiona, you take a man's heart in your hands and laugh in its face. (laughs) Play for me, Fiona. One last time. Our rhapsody. One tries to forget. I don't know. So many things. Oh, Charles, do you remember that gay night in Warsaw? Oh, Warsaw. (laughs) How could I forget? And Budapest. How could I ever forget Budapest? And do you remember that time in the doorway of the horsemeat shop in the Balls Pond Road? could forget that time. No, I don't remember. Oh, well, it must have been someone else. It was so dark. Oh, why did you come here, Charles, to torture me, to drive me mad? No. Came to tune the piano. they don't make films like that anymore, do they? (laughs) They just just show them on television every Sunday afternoon. (laughs) And now, trends in music. Yet again, we are underprivileged to have with us that doyen of folk singers, rambling Sid Rumpo. (laughs) Oh, no, dang me down a doodle And the past week I've been rambling and roving amid the bosky retreats and pastoral solitude of the cool orangutan nightclub where I'm currently appearing now, a pulling down three grand a week with my simple homespun rubbish oh. <laughs> and a facet gone away oh. Now, what are you going to sing for us this week, Well, I Sid? thought I'd give you a sea shanty. Oh, it's nice. an old Cornish lobster potter's song. It tells the story of a young lobster man who sings to his lady love. For I'm going away, my fair young maid, upon the salty main, oh. For when the lobsters spawn and the tide flows three, 
and the North Star guides the sailor to a haven in your arms. I'll come home a bare knee, a parrot, and fine laces, and perfume, and a new sink tidy for what you've always craved. <laughs> and to this his lady love answers, I, what's that you said? Because she weren't listening. So he sings to her, What's the matter? You got cloth ears. I'm not saying that all over again. And he goes. And as he goes, he sings this little lament. All the way, me dangle, boys. All the way, all the way. For I'm bound down right, yo, yo. When you're outward bound and the wind blows free, free, oh, oh. early in the morning. Thank you, Rambling Sid, and now, uh, and now, sling your hooker. <laughs> Ah, we shall never look upon his like again, if we play our cards right. <laughs> now, the other week, I popped into a new little photographer's in Chelsea. It was called the Studio Bona. <laughs> hello, anyone there? Oh, hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sam. <laughs> Oh, yes, we're filling in as photographers between acting engagements on the telly. We just done this one where I'm all dragged up as a sultan. <laughs> yes, I was all dragged up as a sultan, squatting on me cushion, you see, and all surrounded by these dolly little polones. Yeah. <laughs> and there's me stood at his side wearing a pair of great baggy trousers and full of Eastern promise, waving me... <laughs> Waving my fan over it. No. Yes. no, he waved his fan lovely. So anyway, anyway, then this bird trolls in, waggling her hips at me, and I look at her with burning masculine desire. And uh, no. Then then that's right, wasn't it? That, then she gave me that true. bit of marshmallow. Yes. Oh, it's fame. But apart from that, we've only been doing odds and ends, haven't we? I mean, hither and thither. And... Yes, we're filling in as photographers now. What can we do for you, then? Well, I just wanted a portrait, you know, nothing too sexy. Something that brings out the roguish twinkle in my eye and with particular emphasis on the dimple. But uh, I leave it to you. Well, let's see now. How about if we did you like we done that chap... Uh, oh, dear, what's Who's his you name? Mean? You know, wait a minute, it's coming. That big Scots fella. Who? Takes the James Bond part in them films. Um, no. Oh, Siobhan Connery. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, Siobhan Connery. Oh, oh Fabe. Yes. Uh, the, the shirt slashed open to the waist. Slashed. Yes. Oh, mm. and flexing your deltoids. Deltoids. <laughs> <laughs> Your chest bulging. bulging. <laughs> and a lock of your towsered mop falling carelessly over your. Oh, I can see difficulties. <laughs> no, I don't think it's quite me. No, it's not me. Well, anyway, have a browse through some of our work here. Jules, show him your folio. <laughs> 
Well, now, uh, you have your various atmosphere photos. Um, there's your broody intellectual, like we've done for Cathy Kirby. Remember that one? Mm. Very nice uh, study. Yes. <laughs> then you've got your dewy-eyed ingenue, like we've done for that Felix Elmer. Oh, Remember? yes, that's right. Yes, that's yes, right. Yes, swept up. Swept. What's him? Swept. Swept. Yes, mm. good. Or the cis. Oh, this is a boner one. Look, look. It's not suitable for you, mind, but look at her. Lounging on a settee in a figure-hugging courage trouser suit with a collar of diamonds at her neck. Oh, we had a load of trouble getting that pose. Now, hold on. I, I think I recognise that face. Of course you do. It's Gladys Cooper. <laughs> Looks more like Henry Cooper. <laughs> oh, Julia, I told you it was. Oh, don't go. all this out before. Oh. No wonder we had all that trouble getting him to pose like that. <laughs> yes, I have to be careful. I have to be careful. Well, this one is Kenny Thorne, not Lena. Oh. <laughs> so watch it. You watch it. Now then, how can we express his personality best? Now, go on, Jewel. Can I start, start creating? Yeah. Start thinking of something we can do. Wait, wait, wait. Don't rush me. All right. Trust me. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes? Yes. yes. I see him all grainy. <gasps> Absolutely stark and lit from the bottom. <laughs> there. Oh, fantabulous. <laughs> Quick, do it now while the mood's on you. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Under the hood. Under the hood, yes. Come on, Sam, give us a hand with him. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Ready? Yes, yes. Look, there's... Um... Just one thing, I'm not uh, telling you your own business, but should I be under the hood with you? <laughs> and in the end, the photo came out like an original Armstrong. Not Jones, Louis Armstrong. <laughs> well, that's all for this week, except to... Except to announce the winner of last week's limerick competition. And the winner is Mrs. Churchill of 10 Bouchier Walk, Raynham, Essex. And it goes like this. A monkey who lived in a zoo got terribly bored with the view. It wasn't the grill that made him feel ill, but the people who kept looking through. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Well, now, the last limerick of our present series begins with the following two lines. A short-sighted surgeon named Sprake once made a quite stupid mistake. And I'll repeat that. A short-sighted surgeon named Sprake once made a quite stupid mistake. And all you have to do is to complete the limerick suggesting what mistake he might have made. Answers, please, not to the BMA, but to Round the Horn, Care of BBC, London W1. And to the sender of the best completed limerick goes this week's prize of a glossy photo of Alma Cogan dressed as the harbour master at Loo. <laughs> Cheerio, see you next week. That was Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden and the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Took and Marty Feldman and produced by John Simmons. <laughs>